0: Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 8. Saul was on the way to Damascus, and the great, bright, shining light came down from heaven. And he heard a voice that said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said, who are you, Lord? It said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Can you imagine what must have gone through Paul's mind? As he heard Jesus say, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Paul was a Jewish rabbi. He taught and instructed others. He was the equivalent of a pastor today and yet he didn't know Jesus. And he had spent his life persecuting the very Savior the Scriptures had predicted. I imagine grief settled over his heart as he recognized how wrong he had been. I know that when I was a kid growing up, I was raised in church, and Learned a bunch of songs to sing and and things to do and what to say. But for a long period of time, I didn't know Jesus. I'd even gone through the motions and gotten dunked in the baptistry. uh, But my heart, I had never surrendered my heart to Christ. And one day, the, the Holy Spirit of God convicted my soul of sin. And I recognized for the first time that I was lost. And I began to struggle. And finally, I surrendered my heart to Christ about a year later. But I'm grateful for the grief that I felt over my sin because it brought me to Jesus. Did you know sometimes we need a confrontation? Sometimes we need to be challenged about our sin. If you uh, have kids, you know that that's true. Uh, you know, my parents are sitting here today. They know that that's true when I was a kid. They had to challenge me for my sin, right? I I got spanked. Guess what? It didn't hurt me. Uh, I know people, well, that's another story. But uh, I want you to know, sometimes we need to be challenged for our sin, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing in families. It's a good thing uh, in our society for sin to be addressed and dealt with. But it's especially good When God challenges us. Why? Because we can't come to Christ without Him. And without His word of conviction upon our hearts about our sin, we won't be saved. And after we're saved, without His conviction in our life to confess and repent of sin that we commit after salvation, we can't walk in the abundance of the abundant life. So God's conviction and His confrontation in our life is a very good thing. Paul, in this scripture, is talking about godly grief, and he contrasts it with worldly grief. Um, There's a number of things this may refer to, but I'm going to focus on two things I believe it definitely refers to. One is, worldly grief is brought about by the enemy. Worldly grief, the Bible says the devil is an accuser, and he and and his evil forces want to accuse people of sin. Why? Because they want to pull them down. Okay? That's worldly grief. There are people out there, Judas had worldly grief. What did he do? He didn't repent. He, he, He changed his mind about what he had done, but he never surrendered his heart. And the Bible says he went out... And hung himself. That's the result of worldly grief. Godly grief, on the other hand, results in repentance. The Holy Spirit never accuses you to drag you down. He convicts you to point out sin so that you can deal with it. And once you've dealt with it, the Holy Spirit is done convicting you. Uh, So, He wants you to come to Christ. That's the purpose of godly grief. If you're lost, he wants you to be saved. If you're saved, he wants you to live the abundant life. So he convicts you of sin to bring you to himself. And that brings that godly grief that ultimately leads to some good things in our Christian walk. Paul, as a pastor, an apostle, has confronted the Corinthian Christians. And we don't know the content of that. Uh, Some believe it was the, the confrontation in 1 Corinthians. But I think it's probably a sorrowful letter that we no longer have. But uh, regardless, this confrontation was painful to them. And it does sometimes hurt when we are con- confronted about our sin, doesn't it? It's, it's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. Um, and yet, Paul said, I saw that you were grieved by what I said, and so I was grieved because you were grieved, but and yet... I wasn't sorry about it because I saw what that godly grief produced in your life. And it brought about some great change in your life. And for that, I rejoice. Aren't you glad that there are people who are faithful enough to tell us the truth? The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. So uh, we need to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God in our life with godly grief and to run to Jesus. Uh, The title of my message is The Benefits of Godly Grief. Look in chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians and verse 8. Paul says this, For even if I grieved you with my letter, I do not regret it, even though I did regret it since I saw the letter grieve you, yet only for a little while. Now I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For you were grieved as God-willed, so that you didn't experience any loss from us. For godly grief produces a repentance not to be regretted and leading to salvation, but worldly grief produces death. For consider how much diligence this very thing, this grieving, as God wills, has produced in you. What a desire to clear yourselves. What indignation. What fear. What deep longing. What zeal. What justice. In every way, you showed yourselves to be pure in this matter. The benefits of godly grief. What are those benefits? Well, first of all, godly grief leads us to repentance. It leads us To repentance. Verse 9 says, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is a decision we make. Literally, the Greek word means to change your mind. But it it, it has to do with that decision we make. We're going this direction and we choose to turn around and go this direction. That's repentance. Uh, The Old Testament word meant to turn. Uh, It's that choice that we make by faith uh, to follow our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to turn from our sin and our own way to follow Him. Repentance is a surrender of ourselves to God. Somebody said repentance is like giving God a blank check with your signature and saying, God, my life is yours. Write on it what you please. That's repentance. It's a surrender of our life. When Paul was on the Damascus Road, he said, Who are you, Lord? <laughs> he knew whoever he was. He was Lord. Jesus needs to be the Lord of your life. You need to be surrendered to Him. Uh, if you don't know Him, the Bible says that we are to repent of our sin. Unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish part of coming to christ is that surrender of our lives to him i heard a message called religion versus repentance when i uh, was impressed by the holy spirit the first time that i was lost And he said, you can go through all the motions. You can come to church regularly. You can be involved in service. You can walk an aisle. You can go through the motions of salvation, get dunked in the baptistry. He said, but if you have not repented of your sin, if you have not surrendered your life to Christ, you have not been saved. And I began to realize that that was exactly what I had done. I had gone through all the motions, but I had not surrendered my heart to Christ. And so I began a struggle. And finally, somebody told me, if you're having trouble with repentance, pray to God that He will give you the ability to repent. That's a great prayer. <laughs> pray to God, Lord, help me to repent. That's where I was. I was struggling with it. And I Finally, one day in a church service, I bowed the knee to Jesus Christ. And I, came, I literally came to the altar and I just told God in my own words, Lord, I'm tired of fighting against you. I want to surrender my life to you, and I don't care what you do with my life. I want to follow you and surrender to you. And I put my trust in Jesus, your son, for my salvation. Do you know what happened? All the songs that I had been singing, all the things that I had been doing that meant nothing to me, began to take on new meaning. Why? Because I met Jesus Christ. He came into my life. That's what repentance does. I'm going to tell you something. I have never been the same since Jesus came into my heart. That sounds like a song, doesn't it? It's a, but it's true. Jesus came into my life. I've never been the same. The blind man who was healed by Jesus said, once I was blind. But now I see, Jesus touched my life when I repented of my sin. That's why godly grief is a good thing. Paul said, I would not have known sin unless the law exposed my sin. So what is it that God tells us is sin in our life? Well, some of the, the basic things that God gives us in his Ten Commandments. He says, you shall not kill. Jesus went farther than that. He said, if you say, you idiot, you're in danger of hell fire. You've broken the spirit of that commandment. The Ten Commandments say, do not commit adultery. Jesus went beyond that. He said, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery with her. Uh, Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not covet. You ever not been content with what you have? Here's two that really bring conviction to me. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Have there ever been a time in your life where you've not loved God that way? Then you have sinned. Jesus said every idle word a man speaks, he'll give an account for it. The Bible says God searches the hearts and the minds and he hates evil imaginations. God sees into our very thought life. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this this is just a handful of things that we've mentioned. But can I tell you, God, in giving us those things, has done us a favor. Because it shows us that what the Bible says is true. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's not a single one of us who is an exception. The only exception to ever live was not just a man, he was the God-man. His name was Jesus Christ. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. And he went to a cross in our place. Took the penalty that we deserved, lived the righteous life that uh, we couldn't live ourselves, and took God's wrath and justice upon himself for our sin and said, it is finished, the price is paid, everything that needed to be done has been done, so that men and women could be forgiven and given eternal life. Then he rose from the dead. And the Bible says that if we choose to repent of our sin, to turn to follow Christ, to surrender, and receive that gift of eternal life, that God will save our souls will be given eternal life. What an amazing gift. Not only that, but as you as a child of God repent, God will give you His grace and draw you into closer fellowship with Himself, and you'll live the abundant life. So ask God to give you a heart of repentance. Confess your sin to God if you're a child of God. If you're not a child of God, ask God to help you repent. And to receive the grace of God. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that in a few minutes. So the benefits of godly grief. First of all, it leads to repentance. Secondly, it protects from harm. It protects from harm. The second part of verse 9 says, For you were grieved as God willed so that you didn't experience any loss from us. That phrase, experience any loss... Can, can mean so that you didn't suffer harm, so that these bad things didn't happen to you. Uh, in other words, what Paul is saying is if we had failed to confront you, there would have been certain consequences for the path that you were taking, and you would have experienced those consequences, and you would experience the pain and the heartache that sin brings. Sin inherently uh, brings death. Ask David in the Old Testament. King David. He was spending time at home. He hadn't gone out to battle with his men. Sees a woman bathing. Has ungodly thoughts about her. Sins for her. Commits adultery with her. uh, Then to cover up her pregnancy. Arranges to have her husband killed. David... Experienced incredible loss. First of all, Nathan the prophet, well, first of all, he experienced the grief and the guilt of his sin. For about a year, he was just in a desert spiritually. Then Nathan the prophet comes and he rebukes David, and, and David says, I, I am the man, I, I've sinned. And, and and Nathan says, God has forgiven your sin, but because you've caused the enemies of God to blaspheme, The child that is going to be born to you will die, and the sword will never depart from your house. And as you read the story of David, David's life from that point on is one of grief and heartache. Yes, God has forgiven him. Yes, God brings joy into his life, but he has constant turmoil in his family. Uh, His son rapes his daughter uh, another son murders that son. I mean, it's just a constant, it's like Jerry Springer. I mean, it's just chaos in his family. Why? It's the consequence of sin in his life. Praise God that Nathan confronted him when he did, but there were consequences. Um, I'm so glad that God confronts us in our sin. Um. Some of you have shared with me about uh, what God has done in your life since you came to Christ. Some habits that you've stopped that you used to have. Uh, Some places you used to go that you don't go. Um, Some lifestyle choices that you used to make that you no longer make. Can I tell you, praise God, you will not suffer loss because of that sin that you've chosen not to commit. Hallelujah. You will not suffer harm from that sin. I over over my ministry I've seen people make sinful choices. I've seen people make some great choices too, praise God. But those sinful choices sometimes come with a huge price tag. Hurts their family, hurts their church, hurts the witness in the community. And only God knows what goes on in the person's heart as they experience the grief and the pain of sin. Did you know what? God loves us too much to let us continue in sin as His children. And if you don't know Christ, God loves you so much that He gave His Son to deliver you from sin. God doesn't want you to experience the consequence of sin. And Ultimately, I know people dismiss it. but Listen. I can walk out on this highway and dismiss semi-trucks, but I'll still be just as flat if I walk in front of it because it exists. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus spoke about hell more than he spoke about heaven. Hell is a real place. Not designed for us, designed for Satan and his demons, but those who reject Christ, God's provision for sin, will end up in hell. God doesn't want you to go there. He doesn't want you to suffer harm. So he gives you his word of rebuke. So that you will come to Christ. That's grace. It's grace. It's grace that has a father go to a son to speak the truth to him. It's grace that has a friend go to a friend that says, Listen, you're about to make some choices that are going to destroy your life. It's grace. It's grace that God says, Listen, the soul that sins shall die. The wages of sin is death. Don't go that way. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So... (coughs) The benefits of godly grief are that it leads to repentance and it protects from harm. And finally, it leaves no regret. (laughs) Verse 10 says, Godly grief produces a repentance not to be regretted and leading to salvation. I love that. So we went out and shared Christ this past year. We had a lot of people that, who, having prayed to, to receive Christ, thanked us. Sometimes, multiple, multiple times. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Am I exaggerating? Listen, I want to tell you something. Grace is a wonderful thing. I've never heard one person over my ministry, say, I'm sorry I trusted Jesus Christ. Not one time. I've had a whole lot of people tell me, I'm so glad I met Jesus. My life's not been the same. When you make a choice to follow Christ, it leaves no regret. You can't outgive God. Him that honors me, Him will I honor. Jesus said, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. What's Jesus saying? You you surrender, right? You're surrendering your life to Christ. Some people think, well, if I give my life to Christ, I'm going to miss out on this. I'm going to miss out on that. Jesus said, the opposite is true. When you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. You know, I found that that's exactly what happened with me. I was empty. I, I, I was resisting. For a year, I resisted coming to Christ, even though I knew I was lost, even though the Spirit was convicting me. I was wrestling with it. And I thought, well, I don't, wanna, I, I don't want my friends to think differently of me. I don't, you know, I was worried about where I was going to fit in and so forth. And I just resisted it. But what I found was when I came to Christ, He filled my emptiness with joy. He took the grief that I had been, the grief, the the guilt that I had been walking around with on my shoulders, and he lifted it. See, I knew what I was supposed to do. You, You learn that going to church, don't you? And I knew I wasn't doing it. God lifted it up off my shoulders. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I've not regretted that one minute that I've ever lived. I tell you what, I give one, I, for one minute with Jesus, I give you all the rest of it. Jesus is worth it. <laughs> Salvation is not to be regretted. The benefits of godly grief, when you, God brings that conviction for your sin, and you grieve, the benefits are it leads you to repentance, protects you from harm, and leaves no regret. One man that Jesus spoke to was a rich young ruler. He comes and he says, What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Well, you've, you've read, read the uh, law and so forth. What does it say? And he, he began to quote some things to him. He says, Well, he says, uh, I've done all these from, from my youth. And Jesus saw his heart. He said, he said, One thing you lack. He said, Go sell your possessions because he was wealthy. Give it to the poor and come follow me. And the Bible says that he was grieved in his heart. However, in that case, his godly grief didn't end in repentance. As far as we know, he walked away from Jesus, sad. I want you. To, some of you are experiencing the conviction of God this morning. I believe that. And you're going to have a struggle. On the one hand, the enemy will whisper in your ear, you can do it some other time. Or what about this thing in your life? You don't want to give that up. But the Holy Spirit of God will be tugging at your heart. You need to make a choice to let God's grief do its work today. I'm just going to ask you to step out of your seat here in a moment, to come on down here to the front. If you're willing to say these things, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. And I receive the gift of eternal life. I trust you to supply that gift that you promised. If you're willing to say that, I'm just going to ask you here in a moment, as we begin the music here in a moment, just to step out of your seat. People will be happy to move. You can just tap them on the shoulder. They'll be happy to move. You come on down here to the front, and I'll lead you in a brief prayer, phrase at a time if you don't know what to say. And uh, you can give your heart to Christ and you can let your life of no regret begin today. If you're here today and you're God's child, God wants us to repent. Sometimes God puts his finger upon something in our lives. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit's convicting you, I don't have to tell you what it is. You know. I'm just going to ask you to come to this altar And say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I confess my sin to you. You know what the Bible says? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ask him to let the Holy Spirit of God live through you that life of holiness that he desires. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, we we ask that godly grief will perform what you desire today. In the lives of your people, Father.